I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is a bonus episode of News Du Jour. Hey, you guys, today's bonus episode is going to be something super interesting. Um, We're going to take a closer look at something called Russia's Road of Bones. And of course, I wanted to go ahead and issue a trigger warning for you guys because this episode does discuss death, genocide, and some graphic stories. But if you're ready to continue, let's get started. Entrenched deep in snow, the secrets of Stalin's horrific reign are fading from public memory. The average Russian has known nothing but oppression. And when you're freezing to death, it's probably easier to remember a warmer time and think, yeah, that sounds better. Today, we are going to set the scene to discuss who Stalin was, what he did, And the Road of Bones, what it is, and why it all matters to understanding Russia today. Russia is a large, vast landscape covered in deep forests and snowy mountains. It's a place where many people survive on fish. Ice sculpture festivals are commonplace. Colorful spiraled cathedrals scrape the city skies And car trouble can mean freezing to death. But Russia, as we all know, has a past. She's a place where, quote, everything is built on bones, end quote. According to Audrey Knolvin, a deputy governor in the Far East area of Russia. As their atrocities fade from memory, dictators like Stalin start to rise again in public popularity due partially to their infamy and partially to looking at history with rose-colored lenses. It is easy for populations to fall into disillusionment and think, maybe this character was just misunderstood or maligned by historians. Were they really all that bad? But the answer here is yes. Yes, he was. And yet, adoration for Stalin in Russia is at the highest it has been in decades. Joseph Stalin was in power from 1941 to 1953 when he died of a cerebral hemorrhage. That was 12 years And he did a lot of damage during those 12 years, which is why his name lives on in infamy. Let's dive into exactly what went down. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. 
as the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. That's mintmobile.com slash switch. Stalin's life and rule can really be summed up with three main themes. Hypocrisy, paranoia, and death. He started out his political life worshiping Marx and Lenin, the leader who followed immediately after the czars. Stalin is famously known as saying, quote, One death is tragic, but a million deaths? That is a statistic. End quote. How could he have been so detached? Well, it likely came from seeing death very vividly at a young age when he watched some of his school teachers get executed. He hated the czar rule and the way that it did not listen to the common person. But then he built a government that was exactly the same, if not more brutal and unwavering. And there is our first theme, hypocrisy. We see it there in his ability to help overthrow an oppressive regime just to replace it with his own brand of dictatorship. The same can also be said, though, about his fight against Hitler. Hypocritical. He fought against Hitler because Hitler threw his own people into work camps and murdered them, right? But then he came home and he did the same to his people, the Russians. You may have heard the term gulag before, but what it means is a forced labor camp, much like that of Nazi Germany. They incarcerated people, approximately 18 million people, throughout their history and operated from the 1920s until just shortly after Stalin's death in 1953. Each gulag held anywhere from 2,000 to 10,000 inmates. Conditions were inhumane. The prisoners were forced to work 14 hours a day, often in extreme weather, namely sub-zero temperatures. Many were worked to death, specifically dying of starvation, lack of adequate clothing, disease from the lack of sanitation, or simply pure exhaustion. Many were also executed in the camps. Women faced rape and assault constantly at the hands of fellow prisoners and guards. And people were brought to the camps without ever committing a crime. One day, they'd be saying something mildly critical of the Stalin regime, and the next thing you'd know, they were picked up by Stalin's NKVD security police and hauled to the gulag without right to an attorney, let alone a trial. This leads us to Stalin's second theme, paranoia. He had hundreds, if not thousands, of people executed out of fear of betrayal, most of whom were once allies and friends. He experienced betrayal very severely early on in his political career, and it actually put his life in danger. So this all added to his heightened sense of paranoia. 
He also took out this paranoia on his own people by throwing them in the gulag without just cause. But to be very clear, the Russian government also profited off of this, essentially slave labor they forced their own citizens into. But additionally, they used it as a means to control their own population and keep them subservient to the government out of fear. Much like the purging that occurred in communist China, they executed anyone who knew better, anyone who knew how to challenge them. So that meant targeting the most intelligent members of society, doctors, intellects, lawyers, students, scientists, anyone especially educated. But they also snuffed out creatives with the power to inspire or persuade the people of Russia into revolt artists, writers, and political activists. But really, anyone with the power or motivation to challenge them, anyone who did not worship at the altar of Stalinism, was imprisoned or executed. It was that simple. Stalin also starved millions of people to death. Millions. A few outliers say that he did this intentionally, But most historians agree that it was more likely an accident or miscalculation. But he essentially forced all of the farmers into a sort of communal work structure. And any who did not want to join were just shot. So this resulted in thousands of deaths just on its own. But the famine began because all of the grain harvested by these farmer communes was taken directly to the city, leaving nothing for the people in the country to eat. And thus, millions starved to death to avoid being shot. This was the type of terror that Stalin inflicted on his own people. Thus, you can see how the third theme of Stalin was death. So what is the Road of Bones? Well, there's this one highway in Russia that passes through barren Siberia where officials have discovered countless human remains essentially sprinkled throughout the road to create traction in the snow for cars to drive on. To be specific, these human remains are bones. The 1,250-mile road was actually built during the Stalin era and, of course, using gulag labor. The road obviously garnered the nickname Road of Bones, quote-unquote, because an estimated 250,000 people lost their lives building this remote roadway. The area is truly so isolated that even today, shipping containers equipped with uh, communication devices, as well as some heaters, have now been placed along the road between settlements so that stranded travelers can warm up and call for help. Otherwise, they would likely freeze to death in the winter months, which make up a majority of the year in that area. The fact that Stalin helped defeat Hitler is something that is brought up frequently to defend this dictator. So is the comparison to European settlers slaughtering Native Americans throughout the founding of the United States. 
But neither of these horrific situations excuse or erase Stalin doing the exact same thing. He unabashedly attempted a genocide on his own people and therefore is responsible for all of the pain, suffering, and death that came as a result. Some also argue that Stalin did not agree with or personally enforce the gulag system. But within days of Stalin's death, millions of prisoners were released from the gulags and the gulags ceased to exist. If you're looking for proof in his active participation in this system of gulags, what could be better proof than that? According to Varlam Shalomov, a Russian poet who survived 15 years in the gulags, quote, A man becomes a beast in three weeks, given heavy labor, the cold, hunger, and beatings, end quote. Antonio Novasad, a 93-year-old woman who was arrested as a mere teenager for fabricated political charges, tells a story of how a friend and fellow prisoner made the fatal mistake of wandering just outside the camp to pick berries and was shot and killed for this. The prisoners buried her, trying to give her death a shred of dignity. But a bear came and dug her out. They watched as he dragged her body away. The woman said of the tale, quote, This is how we worked. This is how we lived. End quote. But even she does not blame Stalin for what happened. She blames the party, but not him. She said, quote, He just signed. End quote. But There have been efforts by Russians today to shed light on the reality of Stalin's reign. A government-funded Gulag History Museum has opened in Moscow in 2018. And art installations such as the Mask of Sorrow Monument in Magadan have been created and erected to commemorate the suffering that took place. Yuri Dud, a a young blogger from Moscow, traveled the full length of the Road of Bones in 2018, taking his followers along with him on this journey to learn more about the Stalin atrocities. But after doing so, he was actually overwhelmed by physical threats made by Stalin loyalists all around the country. An historian named Yuri Dmitriev actually went and dug up graves of prisoners who the government claims were shot by Finnish soldiers aligned with Nazi Germany, he sought to prove that they were in fact shot by Stalin's police through hard evidence, like bullets, for example. But shortly afterward, he was abruptly sentenced 13 years in prison, the basis of which was shaky at best and more likely completely fabricated. Sound familiar? Yep, the Russian government still employs the same intimidation tactics today that it wielded against their own people back in the Stalin era. And yet, 76% of Russians polled just this past March had a favorable view of the Soviet Union, which, to me, points only to one thing. How bad life must be for them right now. Beyond just the horrifying numbers of lives lost, 
Stalin also squashed cultural accomplishment and promise for his country. Some of the greatest creators and minds of Russian culture were toiled in his camps or simply executed. Their bright flames were ultimately extinguished. Russia seems to be historically focused on perceived victories, ones that they feel earn them notoriety rather than actually improving the lives of their citizens, putting national pride over actual stability and quality of life. To me, it seems that amidst the crime, freezing temperatures, corruption, and fear, Russians have never seen what good looks like, what stable looks like. So they grasp at these memories of their childhood and romanticize a man that literally slaughtered their countrymen. They search for something to hope for, something to hold on to. And as Vladimir Putin continues his disgusting power grabs and gangster tactics, neglecting his people for the sake of what he sees as his personal legacy, the Russians themselves are left to hope for someone like Stalin not knowing so much better exists. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on Apple Podcasts would mean the world to us and really help us be able to keep creating the news du jour for free for you guys. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram, sugarfree underscore media on Twitter, and just sugarfree media, all one word, on TikTok. You can also subscribe to emails on our blog so that you get an alert every time we have a new post or an announcement, and that's at www.sugarfreemedia.co. Again, that's sugarfreemedia.co. Our music is by Joey Lavoie and Nicholas Foster. Our cover art is by Hannah Pierce Photography. Our sugar-free media logo is by Catherine Jezik Designs. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News to Show. Broadcasting from... Oh. Oh.